When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Martyrs and Missionaries. I'm Elise, and every episode I'll bring you a new martyr and or missionary, the called and the brave. In this episode, we're going to talk about Irish missionary Amy Carmichael. Amy Carmichael was born a few years after the Irish Revival in 1867 in a small town in Northern Ireland. She was the oldest of seven children and from a very well-to-do Christian family. Throughout her life, she was described as being fun and feisty. While she was in boarding school, there was a meteor shower that was going to come one evening, and she was chosen to be the girl that would go to the teaching faculty and ask for permission to see the comets, and they were told no. But instead of taking this as an opportunity to be obedient and to listen and not watch the comets— She decided instead that she was going to keep the girls awake by tying a string around each of their big toes so if they fell asleep, she would jerk them back awake. She took the girls and they went down the stairs very quietly and looked out the window and watching the comets. But then they turn to the right and they see not very far from them down the hall at all is the entire teaching faculty also watching the meteor shower. And Amy begins to panic thinking, oh my goodness, what have I done? I'm going to get expelled. Victorian England was very harsh and unforgiving and she definitely thought she was going to be expelled. But in the morning, she was just given a slap on the wrist, and it was no big deal. Amy also had a disease that was known as neuralgia, and it's a shooting, burning nerve pain that's been described as some of the most excruciating pain one person can feel. This would often leave her confined to her bed for prolonged amounts of time. Now, Amy became a Christian when she was about 13 years old, and there are two crucial turning points in her life. And the first one is this. One day, she and her brother are both leaving church, They notice this lady across the street that's carrying a very heavy bundle, and so they run to help her. Now, in Victorian England, there is a very classist, elitist system, a way of doing things and a way not to do things. And Amy's family was very well-to-do, and this lady was very not well-to-do. And so helping her across the street was something that you shouldn't do. And so as they're helping her across the street, they notice all these stairs, and Amy becomes ashamed, and so she buries her head away so that nobody can see her. And as she's doing this, she looks over to this fountain, and she hears this loud voice that quotes from 1 Corinthians 3 and says, Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious jewels, wood, straw, and hay, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. And she looked around because the voice was so loud in her head that she thought surely someone had spoken it. But as she looked around, no one had spoken it, and she realized it was the voice of God condemning her actions. And so as soon as she got home, she locked herself away for the rest of the day, and her brother said that she prayed all day long. She felt so ashamed because she realized that she cared too much what other people thought about her, and she didn't want to be that way anymore. And not long after this, she began looking for people to whom she could minister. And she starts working with these poor working class women who worked in the mills that were known as shollies. And they were called this because they wore these gigantic shawls over their shoulders that could also cover their heads and keep them warm. 
and she began leading Bible classes with them. And before long, she begins bringing them to church. But they weren't welcome at all, because like I said earlier, there was a very classist system that was going on, and they were decidedly not welcome there. But Amy didn't care, so she brought them anyway. But soon there were so many women who wanted to go that there was no room in the church for them. And so she prays to God to provide them 500 pounds to purchase a tin building and someone to donate some land. And soon this mill owner gifts some property, and then a woman donates the funds to build the building. And it actually still exists today. Soon Amy moves from Belfast to Manchester doing very similar ministry. And while she's there, she hears D.L. Moody and Hudson Taylor speak. And she feels God calling her into missions, and so she signs up with the China Inland Mission, which is Hudson Taylor's organization. She candidates, she goes through all the training, and at the very last minute she's turned away because of her health. But she's not deterred, and so she signs up with the Church Ministry Society and goes to Japan. But she didn't do very well in Japan at all, and there were two reasons why. One, the climate really disagreed with her health. And number two, she really didn't understand the language at all. She wasn't linguistically gifted. It didn't come easy to her. And later on, when she's in India and she's talking about the difficulties and the challenges of learning to mill, she quotes the verse from Numbers 22 that says, And the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and she spake. So she was very good-humored about it, but she had a very difficult time. While she's there, her translator tells her that she should dress in a kimono and look as native as possible because Western dress was kind of distracting. But she didn't want to because she thought it'd be a little bit strange because she's not Japanese and also she needed all the layers of the European clothing to keep her warm because her health was such an issue. But one day she's out evangelizing and she ends up talking with these two ladies and they're really interested in the gospel and she's making really good progress with them. But then they notice her gloves and they begin asking her questions about her gloves and she feels awful because in her desire to dress like a European, she had caused a distraction to the gospel. And this was the second turning point in her life. After 15 months, she sails to Sri Lanka. And she's not there very long at all before she has to go back to London for health reasons. And while she's there, she changes agencies again. And she goes to the Church of England Zanana Mission. And she leaves in 1895 at the age of 28 and sails to Bangalore in southern India. But she hasn't been there for very long before she's relocated to Tamal Nadu. Now, there are 28 states in India, and Tamal Nadu is on the southernmost tip of India. And Donover, which is where she was stationed, was the southernmost part of Tamal Nadu. So she's really far south, like the furthest south you can get. But when she gets there, she never leaves. And she stays there for 56 years. And she dresses traditionally. She sleeps on a mat, not a bed. And she clashes heavily with the missionaries. The missionaries who had been there for a long time thought it was better to lure the girls in with embroidery and sewing and give them the gospel in small doses. But Amy was like, no, that's not a good idea. I would rather have two who came in earnest than a hundred who came to play. We have no time to play with souls like this. They were also employing Hindus in the Christian schools, and they weren't really interested in discipleship, so they'd make converts and just kind of lead them to their own devices. And she wrote a book while she was there titled, Things as They Are, Mission Work in Southern India, and it was a scathing review of European missionary practices. And as you can imagine, it was not well received, and there was a collaborative, but thankfully unsuccessful, attempt to remove her from India. But thankfully, while she's there, she was also able to find a kindred spirit. She was mentored by a hard but godly man and his wife, and the man's name was Thomas Walker, and she described Walker as a granite on fire, one who stood for the highest always and everywhere. And Thomas and his wife were instrumental in helping Amy feel at home and learning to mill, and even with starting her long-term ministry. But when she first gets there, she's working with this group called the Starry Cluster. 
and there are a group of Christian Indian women who traveled around evangelizing. And during one of these evangelistic meetings, they're overheard by a little girl named Prina. And Prina was a Devadasi. A Devadasi is a temple girl, or more accurately, a temple prostitute. They're brought to the temple by their parents when they're four or five years old. And when they're 11 or 12, they're then married off to one of these gods. And they raise money for the temple by becoming prostitutes. It was a very awful practice. And Prina was set to marry one of these gods in a few weeks. But after hearing the gospel from Amy, she was unable to go forward with it. And so she runs away and she's caught. And the first time they catch her, they take hot pokers to her hands and burn her hands really badly. But she runs away again because it's better to die trying than to live this life without even trying. And she ends up making it to Amy's house. And Amy said she told us things that darkened the sunlight. Amy had no idea about the Devadasi. She had no idea about this temple prostitution at all. And as she did some investigating, she realized this was her new ministry. She was going to rescue these children. So she moves into an abandoned Donover mission, which is about 24 miles from the nearest city and four miles from the nearest road. And it was hard to get to intentionally. And it's called the Donover Fellowship. When Amy was young, she always wanted blue eyes. She had brown eyes that she just didn't care for. And she prayed to God one day that he would change her brown eyes to blue. And when she woke up the next morning, she looked in the mirror and they were still brown. And she goes to her mom crying. And her mom says, there's a reason for this. God gave you brown eyes for a reason. You'll see. And years later, she would see why. With her brown eyes, she was able to dye her skin with coffee and wear a blue sari, which at the time meant you were part of the lower caste system and you could kind of go in anywhere unnoticed because nobody cared about you. And she made these connections sneaking into the temple and rescuing these kids. And she gets into a lot of trouble with the locals and she's almost into prison several times, but never is. And the opposition she experienced from the locals was understandable, but she also experienced opposition from the missionaries. They thought she was shaking things up too much. It really wasn't big of a deal. She was making too much of an issue of it. She just needed to leave it alone. And obviously, she wasn't going to do that. When you've seen evil that close, you don't just turn your back on it, or at least you shouldn't. And from the very beginning of the Donor Fellowship, she wanted to make it like a family and not like an institution. And so all of the buildings were built in Indian style, very open and welcoming. And there were huge gardens. She was a big fan of gardens and a big fan of birds and bird baths. And so they were littered throughout the entire property. And it was a very welcoming, open place. And the children, when they arrived, felt loved and cared for. And they called Amy Ama, which means mother. In the 56 years that she was there, she was able to rescue over a thousand children, not just girls, but little boys too. And in 1931, when she was about 65 years old, she suffered a very bad fall while exploring a construction site. She fell into a hole and broke her ankle, leg, and twisted her spine. And she spent the last 20 years of her life bedridden. And instead of becoming bitter and letting this be the end of her ministry, she chose instead to write books and focus on mentoring the other missionaries that came through. And she had this really good perspective on suffering that I find inspiring. She said, Can we follow the Savior far, who have no wound or scar? Three years before she died, temple prostitution was officially outlawed. And I'd like to say that it's completely gone. It doesn't exist anymore. But unfortunately, it's kind of an inevitable byproduct of the caste system that still exists in India. A lot of these families from especially rural parts of India, they feel like they have no choice. And so there are as many as 450,000 Devadasis still scattered throughout India. But the Donover Fellowship still exists today as well. And all the house mothers who are currently there are former rescued children. And the current superintendent was only five days old when she came. 
and she was five years old when Amy Carmichael passed away. When Amy passed away in 1951, she didn't want a marker or a tombstone. She was a very humble woman, so I think she was worried that if she was in some way acknowledged on her tombstone, she would become enshrined, and she didn't want that. And so when she died, a bird bath was placed over her grave. And there are only two things written upon it, Alma and the day she died. It's very nondescript, and it's very possible that as you walk through the grounds, you could come right past it and never know that that's the gravesite of Amy Carmichael. Before Amy even came to India, you could see God working in her life to break through this elitist, classist thinking that was so common in Victoria, England. If she'd come to India with the same thinking that she had when she was still a teenager in England, she would have been completely ineffectual in India. And so you can see how God broke down these barriers for her. And she was able to see people not based on their class or caste, but on who they were to God. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you're not already subscribed, make sure you fix that and tell a friend so that you can listen along together and share your thoughts with each other. Thanks for listening to Martyrs and Missionaries. I'm Elise. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.